What's going on, everybody? This is Black Men Sundays. I'm your host, Corey Sylvester Murray. We're talking about generational wealth. We're talking about finance. We're talking business. And before we introduce today's guest, my man, Eric, who do you have for our Black Men Sunday spotlight? I'm doing good, Corey. Thank you so much for, uh, for asking me to participate in this. I have some little unknown facts that maybe most people did not know about. And this is called the, you know, with the practice of, of vaccination, didn't, people didn't know this was the first vaccination brought to by America by a slave. Some appreciation should be given to the man who brought this game-changing practice to the United States. Now, in, 19, I'm sorry, in 1721, a smallpox epidemic struck the city of Boston. Now, this highly contagious virus was killing hundreds during a time of lesser medical advances was around a slave man by the name Onimus, he changed all that. Now, Onimus was a slave again. He was purchased in 1706 by Cotton Matter, who was a prominent prudent minister. Now, though Matter had a great disdain for Onimus, he knew that man was very clever. So amid the spreading sickness, Onimus confided to Matter about the practice of inoculations, which had been used in Africa for centuries. So Matter brought this vital information to the forefront and lets people um, about this. So Dr. Xavier Boston, who despite a major pushback against the idea, managed to successfully inoculate 240 people. This was game changer to the smallpox vaccine that struck in Boston. And again, this is by a slave that brought this knowledgeable information to us here in America. And back to you, Corey. All right, Eric, thanks for that Black Men Sunday spotlight, man. Like I said, this Black Men Sundays, every Sunday we giving you a spotlight by the brother from Hunts Vegas. That's Huntsville, Alabama, for the folks not in the know. But let's go on to our today's guest. This brother here, he's Black Men Sundays alumni, Corey Freeman Scott. A lot of guest speakers come on his show and they say, I'm waiting for Commissioner Scott question because I know he's going to give me something. And I'm like, okay, cool. He, he doing it like that. So I had to bring him on to the show. Commissioner Scott, Corey Freeman Scott. Let me give y'all a little background on this guy. We're talking engineering. We're talking National Engineering League. I'm the Orlando Orbit president, but I'm just the president. This brother's the national president of the whole National Engineering League. This brother went to Old Dominion University has a bachelor of science in mechanical engineering, has a master's in executive leadership from Liberty School of Business. That's in Virginia too, for those not to know. A lot of people on Florida are gonna be hearing this. This brother's decorated. This brother had a full academic scholarship. I'm talking Fort Valley State, Oklahoma Sooners, UNLV. This brother from 19th and Jefferson, we talking downtown Newport News. We're talking Virginia is in the building. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Hey, how you doing today? Oh, we good, man. So like, you know, I preface, man, people know you on this show, man. They they know the commissioner, but they're like, who is the commissioner? So we're going to get it started. We're talking National Engineering League. But before we talk about the league, we got to talk about generational wealth, man. Let's handle this money business off rip. Can you build generational wealth being an engineer, man? Most definitely. You can definitely build generational wealth being an engineer, not only an engineer, but if you know the principles behind building generational wealth, which we're learning on this podcast, uh, it doesn't matter what your occupation is. Being an engineer definitely helps you, uh, gives you an advantage because of the salaries, what we start off with. Uh, when I first got out of college, I was 22. Man, I was getting like 90000 a year coming off 
coming off the rip. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, but I didn't quite know exactly what to do with that money. I went, you know, went shopping because, you know, grew up in the hood. So it's like, now I got a little bit of money. I want to go shopping, go on some trips and do some of the things I always wanted to do. Right. Uh, luckily, I was able to get uh, acquainted with some older people and it helped me get me on the right track so I can know how to invest my money properly and uh, use it to build generational wealth. So, yes, engineering, the profession of engineering, you definitely will be able to get a substantial income. So you can invest, uh, you know, buy some properties and then have something you can pass on down to your kids or grandkids if you haven't. So, you know, when I think about engineers, I think about difficulty. I think of because yeah. a lot of people run from engineering because they're afraid of the challenge of difficulty. Well, I mean, the mindset of being scared or afraid to do anything, no matter if it's engineering or you're playing football or you want to be in the stock market, if you're scared, you're going to be scared. Uh, things are supposed to be challenging if they're worth it, right? So I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, Corey, and tell you that going through engineering school was easy, right? It was very challenging. I would say that getting my engineering degree was probably the most difficult thing that I did. But it's also the most rewarding thing that I did also because it helped me grow. I was pretty much, a, I had about a 3.5 GPA coming out of high school. I had several scholarship offers and stuff like that. When you get in college, it's not just about making a grade. It's about I'm turning into a grown man, right? I'm a teenager. By the time I get out of here, I'll be a grown man. And there is a lot to do with that, right? You got to learn how to manage your time, time management, manage your money. You're going to have to work because you're not at home anymore. And guess what? You also have to go to school and pay for this degree and get these grades so you can graduate, right? So there was one particular time I took a fluid mechanics class at Old Dominion University, I had a, a professor, Dr. Williamson, Dr. Keith Williamson, was very influential in me deciding to stick to the engineering program and graduate, right? Uh, I'm gonna just keep it 100% real with y'all. Uh, that particular time, uh, that week, I think I got like a D on a uh, mechanical, uh, mechanics of fluids test. And I got an F in thermodynamics, same week, right? I was working a lot, I worked like 16 uh, co-ops and three internships. When I was in college, I worked at Siemens Video Automotive in a fuel pressure regulator uh, engineering lab with the research and development. So I got an early start making money, but also I was going to engineering school and it was a challenge trying to manage all that. That's really where I learned time management from because, you know, you can't do all that stuff. And for some of the young guys, they're in college and, you know, they got a little swag about them. Can't have uh, more than one girlfriend and trying to make all that happen, right? So you got to be able to manage your time a little bit better. Those D's and those F's definitely woke me up. Uh, instead of me blaming the system or the school system or saying it was hard, I really took an internal look at myself and said, hey, man, I need to change some of my ways, change some of my habits so I can get up out of school. Dr. Williamson told me one day, uh, after I got a D in his, uh, on his test, he said, hey, Corey, I need you to make some real decisions in your life. I said, what you mean, Dr. Williamson? He was a brother. Uh, he was in the Navy. He had two kids. He was married, but he also had his doctorate in mechanical engineering. And he just kept it real with me. He said, look, man, if you want to do this, go home, look in the mirror, take a look at yourself and decide that you want to be an engineer. If you don't, that's just a decision that you made and you're going to have to live with it. He said, I believe in you. I think you could do it. But do you believe you could do it? So go home, make that decision. And then, you know, make things happen from there. That's what I did. I went home, looked in the mirror. I said, you know what, Corey, you're coming out the projects. A lot of people didn't believe in you. You had full scholarships you couldn't take advantage of for other reasons. You know what? I'm, a, I'm willing to take the blows that come along with this. And I did, you know? Things aren't going to be perfect out here. Kids, 
young people, y'all need to realize that life is not perfect. It's not always fair, right? You have to decide what you want to do and do it just like I did. Yeah, it, it can be looked at as hard, but it's, you know, it's really challenging. And you got to ask yourself, who do you want designing airplanes when you're getting in them? You want somebody to, uh, maybe they can't take the rigor of something being academically hard and they just give up. Or you want that guy or that lady or anyone that says, you know what, this is kind of challenging, but I'm going to take on that challenge and I'm going to beat the challenge. I'm going to make it happen no matter what's going on. So that's, that's what engineering is all about. It's about problem solving. And we all are engineers in a sense because we got problems every day that we got to get solved. And let's take it a step further, man, because that was kind of a, a setup question for this question, man. You know, when we're talking about difficulty, not just in engineering, but just in school in general, a lot of times there's communication barriers between the teachers and the students. It's not just uh is difficult. A lot of times you might have a, a, a student that doesn't get out much then you versus you have other kids that's been to Rome, been to Spain, been all over the world. This guy is on the couch with his mom watching Bonanza. That was me, by the way, back in the day. I'm just <laughs> keeping it real. But I'm just saying, like, with engineering, it's already a challenge. It's already difficult. So how can we, as parents, as adults, and just as members of this community, you know, how can we break this communication barrier between the students and teachers? Well, that's interesting that you said that. I actually had a professor, Dr. Sushil Chattavetti. If he's listening, I want to say thanks, okay? Uh, he was an Indian professor. Uh, so the cultures were a little different. Like I said, I grew up in downtown Newport News. Uh, for those that don't know, that's called AKA the hood, the ghetto, the projects, right? And as Mr. Moyer uh, reminded us, and also uh, Lester, uh, Lester Jones last week that, you know, having a hood-like mindset is just a mindset. So even though I lived in the hood, I didn't have a hood-like mindset. I knew I wanted to be somebody and where I was going, right? But back to Dr. Susan Chattivetti at ODU, he, uh, you know, he had a, a very thick Indian accent. And sometimes I didn't understand exactly what he was saying, right? Sometimes he didn't understand what I was saying, right? So I had to make the uh, initiative to go to his class, uh, to his office, and talk to him, right? So he can get to know me, besides just me being a student. Uh, in his class and we're having language barriers, right? So the, the bigger picture and the bigger lesson is people come from different backgrounds, right? Diversity is key. All these products that we have out here, whether it's cars, airplanes, shoes, microphones that we use in computers. And when you go into the professional workforce, it's gonna be diverse, right? You gotta learn how to communicate and talk to people. And you gotta do your part in that communication piece of it to make sure that you're listening and they're listening as well. And then you're trying to speak as clearly as you can when you communicate with people. Uh, there's different types of learning styles that people have. Some people are more visual, some people are more vocal, or they listen, auto, you know, they, they like to listen with their ears. But sometimes you got to figure out from an innovative out of box way of how can I communicate to this person so that they understand what I'm saying and I understand what they're saying, right? Also with the parents, all right, this is a wake up call right here. If any parents are listening, please listen closely, okay? The communication with your children is essential, not for you, but for their growth and their development, right? What they're gonna be doing long-term. Now in the hood, Corey, there were a lot of people that had hood-like mentalities. Uh, I would say non-progressive thought processes. They were kind of good where they're at. They were cool with being on the block. Uh, they were cool with just being on welfare and getting a check getting food stamps. I got all that. Like my mom and my uh, stepdad, my father, 
they pulled together, they pulled the resources together and made sure that I had what I needed when I went to school. It's kind of a bittersweet moment right now. My mom actually passed in January of this year. And I was in, uh, I had a corporate meeting with Nissan Automotive last week. Uh, they were helping one of the students from the National Engineering League, Melvin Romero, uh, who was also part of the Emily K Center. And I went to get them some gift cards and a bag. So I stopped by Walmart and I saw all the school supplies in there, man. It just kind of made me break, break down a little bit because it made me think about my mom and my dad and how hard they worked to try to make sure I had what I needed to be successful in school, right? No matter where we lived, uh, they used to send us from downtown Newport News up to Riverside where, where the well-to-do people uh, lived at. But when I got in that classroom, man, I was performing, you know, I was the SCA vice president, all that good stuff. And the hood kids were like, wow, we can't believe you live down here with us, right? It's a mindset, right? So whatever you want to do, do it. When I was a kid, one of my idols, and still is, was primetime Deion Sanders, especially when he came to the Dallas Cowboys. Because even though we were, <laughs> even though we were in the hood, like I could relate to Deion the way he expressed himself. He was outspoken. He didn't really conform to people. And he was a high performer, right? And I listened to a story one time. He talked about how when he was growing up in the hood, I think his mom was, um, she was working outside. I think she had to pick some trash up. And he was on activity bus. And the kids knew that that was his mom. And they just started looking out the window and just start laughing at him. Like, yeah, your mom's cleaning up trash, right? So that's what Dion said. He created the character of primetime. And he said, if he could live up to that primetime character, he'll make sure that he could take care of his mom, his family, and she would never have to do that again. And who would they be laughing at then, right? So that kind of resonated on me when I, when I heard that. I was like, wow, you know, I think creating the character of primetime is like, setting your bar real high. It's like a symbol of excellence, right? And if we could all reach out, figure out who our primetime characters are and try to get close to that, that bar as possible, we'd be successful like Dion, one of the greatest to ever do it. My equivalent to primetime in the engineering world is Commissioner Scott. So I'm here right now talking. We wanna make sure we get kids and their parents through proper communication, through parents talking to their kids so how we can get everyone on the primetime commissioner Scott level, right? Every day when I came off of school, my mama talked to me. Corey, what was going on in school today? Uh, let me see. I knew she just didn't want to answer uh, like nothing happened. Like I knew that wasn't going to work. I had to sit down and communicate to her what actually happened. What went well? What didn't go well? How can we make corrections to make sure that you're doing the best you can do at school and you're like the most excellent student you could be? That's what she demanded of me. I remember sometimes my homework was sloppy. I wanted to go outside and play with my big wheel, man, and my Voltrons back in the day, for anyone who remembers that. But nah, you're going to get back at the desk, at the kitchen table, and you're going to do this homework the right way, all right? Because when you get into the real world, people don't want to see poor quality, right? So I guess in a sense, Corey, she was preparing me to be an engineer the whole time. So thank you, mom. I know you're somewhere watching me right now. And uh, thank you, my, my father, Willie Rumble Jr., who I got the Fatherhood of the Year Award named out of. Thank you all for uh, believing in me and preparing me to be great. You're talking about generational wealth, man. How do we escape this generational curse first? That's an excellent question, Corey. Actually, um, I'm right at, I'm at Liberty University right now working on a doctorate in education and curriculum and instruction, right? So I got two more regular classes to take. And then in January, I'll be a doctoral candidate and I'll be starting my Keystone project, right? I'm going to actually make my Keystone project based on that particular subject. Uh, some of the people I've met on Black Men Sunday are gonna help me with that help do some of the research. It's going to be powerful, right? Whoever gets to read the, the project and the report, hopefully you'll get some out of it. But back to your question, right? How do we do that, right? 
It starts, one, changing the mindset of, I'll call it the poor man's mindset, right? Uh, people wanting to kind of fit in and be like others, right? And not really challenge themselves and think with their own minds. Look, everyone's different out here. Everyone's unique. Everyone is wired a little different. Figure out who you are and be you. Don't try to be like everyone else. Be yourself, you know? Um, discover your talents, your hidden talents, and your gifts that God has given you. And turn yourself into a commissioner or a prime time with your talents, right? Now, there's some things that Dion does that I couldn't do. Some things I do that Dion probably couldn't do. Now, I did run a 4-240 back in high school. That's a whole nother story, right? But answer your question, you know, stop fitting in with the crowd, man. Like, we came here for a specific purpose, and we're going to leave here. We either, when we leave here, we either satisfied that specific purpose or we didn't, right? So, A, let's change the mindsets. B, I think it involves, I think one of your guests two weeks ago um, mentioned, I think Lou Moyer did, because I think I asked him that question. Like, he grew up in Baltimore, and he said he grew up in the projects, too. Like, how did you get out of that, right? He said he just physically had to leave. So if anyone's in a bad environment, and they got a vehicle, and they got a resume, and ID and a little bit of money, man, sometimes you might just have to jump on the road, jump on the interstate and leave that environment, man, to get where, you, where you're going at. Immigrants do it all the time. They leave out of countries and come over to the United States. And guess what? Now, some of them get funding, but um, you know, we'll talk about that a little later. But they start over, right? So if you're in a bad environment, start over. If you're in a bad situation, figure out what is going wrong. That's when the personal engineering has to start. Figure out what the problem is. For anyone that doesn't know what engineering is, it's problem solving, right? You got a problem, we need to come up with some solutions, right? Just like I tell my students, uh, I think I told Alexis Placencia Leo, I think he's on the line, he may not be, or Ronnie Wabula, over in Uganda, what's up, Wally? Uh, what's up, Ronnie? Don't just come to your supervisor with the problem. They don't care about that. They probably uh, are glad that you told them, hey, there's a problem going on, but they also want to know what the solution is as well. So any young people listening, when you get on your job and you notice a problem, that's great. That's engineering one-on-one. You got to know what the problem is, right? Also come with some solutions, right? Hey, I noticed that um, the quality of this particular product, say it's this phone right here, is not what it should be, right? I'm talking to your supervisor. Well, I noticed that maybe the chips are old, they're rusted out. Um, someone didn't do the quality check on it uh, last shift or something like that. Or someone dropped the phone on the, on the floor. Bring your supervisors and your managers solutions, not just problems. We have to do that in life too, Corey. We can't just be walking around here complaining about this doesn't work. That doesn't work. Life's not fair. No one's giving me any breaks. I was talking to uh, Mr. Moyer actually earlier today. And, you know, we were talking about how, man, you got to go and create your own opportunities out here, right? No one has to give you anything. The only thing that was given to you was life by your parents, your father, your mother, whoever biologically made you. But even when it comes down to that, a lot of a lot of our uh, people in our community, especially our males, you know, they use the excuse that, you know, I didn't have a father, man. I mean, that's true. In the projects where I grew up at, there were no fathers, right? Like my stepfather, who was my father, even though he didn't birth me, he's my father. He took care of me. He was a real stand-up guy. He was a rarity in the projects because no one knew their dads at all, right? And... We can't use that as an excuse, right? There are mentors out here. There are people that be willing to take you under their wings if you ask, if you open your mouth up, just close mouths, don't get fed. And they will be able to mentor you and tell you things that you can do if you have a great attitude and you know exactly what you kind of want to do in life. So, you know, don't make excuses for yourself. 
Think about Jay-Z, Dame Dash, and Kareem Biggs Burke, right? They started Rockefeller up, right? No one wanted to give him a deal. Ah, Jay-Z's wack. We don't like the way he raps. Guess what they did, though, right? They started their own thing up, right? And all of them are successful. Um, they pulled together as a team. They made it happen, right? So as an engineer, at the bottom, at the, the bottom line is at the end of the day, you got to figure out how to make things happen, whether it's in your professional life or in your personal life. Something that you want, you got goals, go and figure out how to do it. No one's an expert on everything. Put you a team together, figure out who's the subject matter expert on what you want to do, like we do on Black Men Sundays. We got all these financial experts up here because I know I wasn't a financial expert and I'm still in training, right? Well, I've learned a lot just from being on this podcast uh, since the last year, man. And, and you know, I'm, I'm becoming more of an expert right now. But you got to figure out what you don't know and learn it, man. Okay. So, all right, let's get into it, man. We're talking about the National Engineering League. It's you own that. I see there's a trademark under that logo. What yes, is sir. the National Engineering League? How was it established? Why was it set up? You know, let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, well, the National Engineering League back, let me see, I would say 2014 when I was on Fort Worth, Texas. I worked with a Bell Helicopter. I also worked with the Dallas Cowboys in the stadium, right? But in my side time, I used to go around to these schools and talk to students about becoming an engineer. I knew what the profession had done for me, so I also wanted to just spread the wealth so students understand, hey, there's other things that I could do out here that can make a decent living, and you can build wealth with, right? So a lot of students, when I asked them what their names were and exactly what do they want to do when they get older, all the responses were, uh, I want to be in the NFL. My name is Jack. I'm going to be in the NBA, man. My name is Billy. I'm going to the Major League Baseball League. You know, that's what's going on. I ain't doing nothing else. That's all I'm doing. I'm playing ball, right? Or I might ask, uh, you know, Devontae over there, man. You know, what are you planning on doing with yourself? Man, I'm going to be a rapper, man. Or Kanye was just budding at the time and everyone wanted to be a, a beat maker, right? So everyone had loop dreams or hoop dreams, right? So I was like, well, the engineering in me kind of kicked in and was like, man, we need to have something else for these students to aspire to be that's fun, that can make money. And that's, you know, it makes me want to study in school and I can make the, they can make the relation between why am I learning all this math and all this science and why I got to be a communicator and what's going to be the end result, right? So we, I think our society glorifies athletes, they glorify entertainers. But what about the people that make society work? We ain't going to talk about the teachers. We'll get into that later. But the teachers really, the dedicated teachers, I will say, they make society work because they're actually raising these kids in the classroom. Some of them don't even have, you know, good parents, like just to be honest. But what about the people that make society work? Like when your refrigerator is open and it's cold air coming out, right? And you get that sandwich out of the refrigerator. And you're like, man, this is refrigerated. It doesn't have any algae growing on it. This is a good sandwich. Okay. There was some engineering involved with that, right? When you get in your car and you go to school or you go shopping, right? There was engineering involved with that. Your car is supposed to work safely and get you from point A to point B. There was engineering involved in that. How about you, Corey? You about to go and see uh, the Belt of Bruins get beat by the Ward Raiders in the tech spec competition in Newport News, right? You got to get on the airplane for that, right? So you jump on the Delta and head it out, man. You expect that plane to work properly, correct? Okay. So there's a lot of thought, aka engineering, aka proactive problem solving that went into making that happen, right? 
So kids, I want I want to change the uh, old adage of engineer is just someone that's on a train or walking around with a pocket protector or just a geek. Look, the geeks, if y'all want to call them that, they end up getting paid. Look at who owns all these technologies, who creates these technologies. You know, it was funny because some of the students I went to school with when I was at Warwick, they all, they often call me, uh, you know, the cool, smart guy, but he's a nerd, right? Well, I wasn't a nerd, right? I had a girlfriend in high school. She was cute. So, and I made good grades, right? And some of the football players, you know, their girls were trying to holler at me too. That's a whole different story, right? Bottom line, the same guy, I saw him uh, three years later after we graduated and he was working on the production line and I was the young intern telling him what to do, right? Not that I'm trying to act like I was all that, but because I chose to focus on school and academics and see where that could lead me, you know, I had tremendous opportunities. Now, I'm not saying if you're an athlete, don't go and get that bread. I'm not saying that at all, right? If you've gifted with lyrics and you can make beats and you can entertain people, hey, by all means necessary, do what you have to do, it's legally anyway, to make it out of your situation. God gave you a gift for a reason, right? So I'm definitely not saying that. Some people are multi-talented and they can do all of this stuff, right? What I'm saying is for students to start focusing on what their talents are. If you're gifted in math, science, communication, problem solving, you can draw and you got imagination. I'm saying utilize that because you could be a rock star too. And the National Engineering League is going to help you do that, right? So we got a system of professional development where we got kids starting from kindergarten through 12th grade, man. We've got a pipeline set up in the communities. You're in Orlando, so you know what we got going on as the president of Orlando Orbit. Well, we're going nationwide with this. It's 32 engineering consultant companies, aka franchises, all over the United States. Right now, we got eight presidents identified, and we're building. So, you know, if anyone feels like they can uh, fit into the NEL family, they got the same morals and moral compass that we got about helping people, because that's really what it's all about, as Oprah said. Then, you know, send me an email, and we'll talk, right? Because we're definitely looking to build a good team of individuals that's dedicated to changing the lives of of the young people, right? The next generation, right? So we offer professional development. The students that get selected for the internships, uh, the college students, they're paired with um, mentors, professionals in their major. Uh, part of their research project, they got to call this mentor, set up meetings with them, ask questions, right? Show them how to hustle. That's the main thing. And I think a lot of people don't really understand what that means, right? People that sometimes have life kind of easy, you know, had a silver spoon in their mouth. Not all of them now. Some of them don't know how to hustle, right? Hustling means I'm going to get something done. I'm going to figure out what I got to do to make this happen, right? And um, that's what it is, right? So I challenge all the young people out there listening. Don't look at hustle as the negative connotation, like you out on the block. You about to get locked up. You about to get 20 years for doing something you should be doing, right? Look at hustle is as if I'm taking my natural talents and gifts and applying them towards my goal and my purpose of being here. That's what hustle is, right? So you learn how to build those communication points up. You know how to develop relationships with people. You don't know who's gonna come into play in your life 20 years from now. There's some people that have chimed in for this podcast. I see, I've known them for 20 years, right? And when I was a youngster, I was like, you know what? I never know if I'm gonna need this person. I'm going to develop a good relationship with them. and if I do something to damage that relationship, I'm going to apologize, right? Because the relationship is everything, right? Back to the National Engineering League, man. Professional development, giving students hope. The K through 12 program, it's the career uh, 
career exploration program was established because I noticed that some kids really had these talents to really go to the next level in their career, whether it's engineering or whatever their profession is. Some of these parents were not, right? The parents were not doing what they should do to get their kids prepared. I'm actually dealing with a situation now that I'm gonna take care of this week. Uh, I'm gonna just keep it real. Somebody in the family, I'm trying to offer the K through 12 uh, resources to them and they won't fill the form out, right? All you gotta do is fill the form out, parental consent form, send it back, right? And then we can take some of these resources that are out there from these corporate, par corporate partners that we have and help the kids get what they need. Maybe they need a laptop or something like that. Or they need some school supplies. Or they just need to be able to have that exposure to a mindset of professionals, right? So they can see what else is out there, right? Parents, if you're listening, please do a self check on yourself to see if you're doing what you need to do to put your kids in a winning situation. If people are trying to help your kids be successful and you got to fill a form out or you got to make some calls, you know what? You made the kid. So you make sure it is successful as well. Do your part, right? There are other aspects of the National Engineering League. We got the first uh, National Engineering League draft coming in January, 2023. We got corporate 500 companies. They lined up, you know, to be able to select some of the best talent in the nation, right? We rank in the students in the colleges, you know, there'll be the number one mechanical engineering student in the country, electrical, all that. And, you know, we make sure that they have what the NEL considers core disciplines to be a successful engineer. Just because you're smart and you can answer math problems all day with 100% accuracy, doesn't mean you're gonna be the best engineer. It just means that, hey, you're smart or you had a lot of extra time to really study this stuff. What I'm interested in as the, as the commissioner is, how well do you deal with people, diverse people? How well do you communicate? Are you a proactive problem solver? Do you give up a little easy or do you stay in there and fight to try to figure out what the problem is, right? That's what engineering is, right? And do you care about the overall quality of the service or the product that you're creating? That service and the product sometimes is the relationship with people you're working with, right? So we try to get them um, developed that way and get them ranked that way. So, you know, we got participating schools on North Carolina a and We got some Georgia Tech students, uh, NC State, trying to get down there to FAMU. Big shouts to, uh, you know, Coach Clayton. I'm going to be getting to him so we can get something set up. Uh, accepted the new president uh, of uh, Morris Brown College. I accepted his LinkedIn request yesterday. Hey, man, it's a movement, right? We're going to change the game. Students, one day when I go into the classroom, they're going to be like, hey, Commissioner Scott. Uh, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be the best engineer I can be, and I want to make everybody know that I designed this product, man. Yeah, this rock can go to Saturn in less time than we ever imagined. It's because of the thought that came out of my head, and I figure how to make it happen, right? So we're on the cutting edge of developing people. If you look at our tagline, it's engineering minds to engineer the future. As you're talking to the parents, man, I'm really impacted and feeling what you're saying. But how do we encourage kids at a young age? to get involved in engineering, like I said, it's students out there in high school, man, that's too difficult. So how do you attract a student in elementary school that may be able to draw, may be able to design things already, may be a, a Lego expert, may be right. a great artist, but they may have a parent to say, that's not a career, those are hobbies. Well, that's actually, that's, that's a real statement. Um, I think it's important for the parents to kind of experiment a little bit, to kind of see what their child is good at. I believe my mother was doing that when I was uh, when I was younger because she always said I was curious and I was always getting into stuff. Like one time I stuck a key in the socket 
after watching an episode of Scooby-Doo, I think Shaggy or Scooby stuck the key in the wall and turned it. And guess what? The wall opened up. So I was curious. We living in the projects. There wasn't nothing else to do. I went and got the key, stuck it in the wall, got shot, and got a butt whipping, right? So I learned maybe that ain't what I need to be doing, right? But you got to, parents got to really see what is it that their kids are good at? What do they naturally get to that? Everyone's not going to be an engineer, right? Everyone's not going to be a doctor. Everyone's not going to be an athlete. Everyone's not going to be a four-time Emmy award-winning photojournalist like Corey Murray, right? Okay, it's just not going to happen every day, right? But everyone is going to be their own version of the greatness that God put into them, right? So as a parent, you know, you got to really say, okay, what is my child good at? What activities can I get him or her in and push him towards that? And just give that time, you know? One thing about my stepfather, aka my father, right? that I really loved was the fact that he just spent time with me, man. I remember one time when I was about six, he went and bought a fly, uh, it was a kite from Family Dollars, right? Down there on Jefferson Avenue. And he said, man, look, I got you a kite. I'm gonna take you to the field, man. We're gonna fly this kite, right? So I'm like, okay, you know, we're gonna fly the kite. Okay, I've seen it on TV before, but like, what are we actually doing? And he was explaining the best way he could about aerodynamics, how the wind got under the kite. And the way the uh, the wings were designed, you have flight. And we were out there for about two hours, just flying the kite, right? Doesn't seem like a big deal, but as a, as a grown man now, it's like that. He really just spent time with me, right? So even if you are you have some uh, deadbeat dads or moms out there that aren't doing what they, they're doing, if you listen to this podcast, take this as an opportunity and a new turning point to say, you know what? I wasn't doing things the right way. I'm going to start right here. I'm going to just give my time to my child like I should and see what they're interested in. And it doesn't cost a thing. You know what I'm saying? As far as the child thinking that it's hard, some things may be hard if you're really, you know, you, some things you might not supposed to be doing, but there are some things that you are good at, you know? And even if it seems hard, just say, okay, let me, let me dig into it a little bit more. Let me see if I can simplify things a little bit. This brings me to another point. Uh, Dr. Susan Chattavetti, I was telling you about earlier, ODU, one thing he did say during class every day that I can remember, he had a catchphrase. He explained some advanced thermodynamics, right? The law of entropy or the law of uh, heat mass transfer or, you know, constant volume versus temperature, something complex. And then at the end, he would say, it's simple, really. Okay. I'm like, what do you mean? And he'll say it again. It's simple, really. Okay. So Dr. Chattavetti always encouraged us to look at how see how we can simplify things. Don't go into this problem thinking it's going to be hard because you already told yourself it's hard, right? You programmed your brain that it's going to be hard. That's what it's going to be, right? Start telling yourself that it's going to be easy. How can I simplify this to make it an easier process, right? If you're looking really complex things, like take an airplane, right? It's got uh, millions of parts inside the airplane. A lot of different systems, right? You got the electrical system, your fuel system, uh, mechanical components, a lot going on, right? But if you simplify them, it's just a bunch of processes and systems that work in their own universe effectively put together, right? So sometimes you got to simplify things, stop looking at it as being such a hard thing to do, hard task to do, because you already beat yourself. You know, believe in yourself, like Aiden Diggs said, uh, you know, the player from the Cowboys, his little son, I think Trayvon Diggs. Believe in yourself, man. Simplify. Stop making it hard. How can I make this happen? That's what we're teaching at the National Engineering League. Great information, man. And for 
sponsors out there. You know, I'm down here in Orlando with the Orbit. We're trying to get some sponsors going. We have a couple partnerships underway. So the potential partners, what benefit is it for the schools? What benefit is it for the students to join the National Engineering League? Right. Well, the benefit is going to be the exposure. Uh, like I said, there's a diverse set of people within the National Engineering League. You know, we don't just have engineers. We've got business owners. We've got data analytics uh, professionals. We've got astronauts. Right. So it's going to be the exposure. A lot of people never really kind of knew what an engineer was. Right. The common answer I got to what's an engineer. Oh, that's the guy that's on the train, you know, pulling the cord. And that's what an engineer is. Right. We got to take the mystery out of what engineering is. We got to break it down. We got to put people in these students' faces to let them see. Okay, I met uh, Tom Jackson and, oh, man, he said he was an electrical engineer, man. And I asked him exactly what was that. And he told me it was about circuitry and power distribution and all that, right? So I think the earlier you expose students to these professions, the disciplines behind these professions, how to prepare for them, right? You're taking the mystery out of it. So as far as potential partners in school systems, that's what we're going to be doing. You know, we'll be on site, even though we got COVID stuff going on, we can do some virtual things, but we're going to put these professionals in the students' faces so they can ask questions and figure out exactly if this is something they might want to do or maybe not. Now, if we go back to 1996, I believe, I was in an organization called Chrome, Corey. I don't know if you remember that from back in uh, Newport News. Cooperating Hampton Roads Organization for Minorities Engineering, right? So I was the president of our club and they had brought this brother in from GM, right? And he was cool, man. Back in the day, Carl Canal was, and, and Fat Farm was like in, right? So he had the Carl Canal boots. He had the shirt on. I was like, yo, this dude looking, looking fresh, right? Man, next thing I know, he came in our class and started talking about thermodynamics and fuel consumption. I said, like, what do you do, man? He said, oh yeah, I'm an uh, engineer at GM. I said, oh, cool. How'd you end up doing that? I, mean, I was good at math and science when I was in high school. What about you? Are you good at math and science? I said, yeah, I'm all right, you know? So basically, I was able to relate to him, the way he was talking, the way he was communicating. He still looked cool. He showed us a picture of his wife. She was she was fly. I was like, okay, they had two houses. It was traveling. So I knew that was something I definitely could do based off my skill set that I had. So I just went down that, that avenue. You know what I'm saying? As far as me choosing to be mechanical engineers, I like to put my hands on things. Electricity, there was a little fear in that because I'm like, man, the guys are getting electrocuted. I like to touch things and fix them with my hands type thing, right? But I just I just didn't want to be working on cars. I want to be designing some stuff too, right? And coming up with innovative ways to do things better. That's another thing that engineering is. It's coming up with ways to do things cheaper, more cost-effective, right? Higher quality. Maybe you can produce more at a time, right? But you always... Uh, doing continuous improvements. So that's what engineering is. Uh, but I was able to see someone that looked like me, I could relate to and got that exposure. Ultimately, the exposure is what these schools and these parents and students will be getting by doing partnerships with the National Engineering League. Uh, right now, we have one with the Global Impact Academy in Fairburn, Georgia, and the Atlanta Public School Systems. They got a, a nice setup there. They got state-of-art equipment. Uh, we're trying to get one of the uh, science labs named after the National Engineering League. And people on our network, we can bring them to these schools and the kids can get exposure. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jarrell Robinson. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. Can you uh, elaborate? And I think Corey talked about it a little bit earlier about how, how engineering can create generational wealth. 
Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about how, and I, I think a lot of times people, they, they don't understand, if they don't understand something, then they're kind of afraid of, and they, they are intimidated by it because they don't understand what engineering is. Can you talk about how you break the field of engineering down to the point where kids understand it and talk about some of the projects that you all have done in order to connect those individuals with things they may like and show them the engineering and um, things that they like to do for fun. Right, well, I think it depends on, first you gotta see what level the student is at, right? So we go through K through 12 all the way to uh, college. It's like, okay, what can they understand, right? So one time I went to an MDK center in Durham, North Carolina, and there were 10th, 11th, 12th graders there, right? So I brought some products with me and asked them, who liked these products? Whoever saw these products? I brought some props from work, so I brought like an airplane. And then just try to capture their interest from what, right? You gotta always be able to relate something to someone for them to be able to really understand and be able to have a, a deeper uh, appreciation and analysis of it, right? So I took some cell phones out one time. I said, hey, who knows how these work? Some kids raised their hands, some of them didn't, right? I said, okay, what about the design of it? Who likes to draw? One kid raised his hand, Psh, yeah, I could draw that, I can make it better. I said, okay, draw it then, right? Then I asked someone who knew what a processor was. So one kid knew what a processor was, right? And then he said, man, you know, he started giving out the technical specifications of the, of the processor. I was like, okay. So basically you got to get their attention about where they're at. You know, I would encourage parents to kind of figure out, you know, what is your kid really into? Are they into video games? Like a lot, instead of doing their homework, maybe they could design a video game, right? Are they into the audio portion of the video game? Maybe they could be an audio engineer or something like that, right? I would say you got to capture their attention by based on what their, their natural interests are and then create projects similar to that um, based on that, right? We've had flight competitions where students design airplanes to see which one could fly the farthest based on the configuration of that wing. Uh, that was one thing we did. And the person that didn't think they had a good design was surprised that they actually did, right? I could see an instant boost in a carriage. I mean, not carriage, but their um, confidence. They saw that, hey, man, I didn't really believe in myself at first, but now my airplane won the competition, right? So sometimes it's like, you got to get creative out of the box. Uh, that's something I'll be discovering a little bit more as I get, uh, you know, that graduate my doctorate in uh, education and see if we could change the curriculum to fit some different type of learning styles that may involve more stuff like that, uh, Dr. Robertson, to make sure that we're not letting anyone uh, fall behind because they have a different learning style, right? and grabbing the attention early and just sparking them. That's all. I would encourage all older people, just see if you can spark one of these kids, say something to them. Don't think everybody's just a bad kid running around with their pants hanging out, right? Maybe you gotta be one to show them how to do it. Don't be scared and see if you can spark that interest. I've had several uh, kids come up to me and say, you know what, Mr. Scott? I remember I was in the seventh grade, man. You came and talk, talked to our class, man. And um, you told me that you was an engineer. I was an engineering student back then. This is like 1998. And I was at Walmart in Denby Corps, you know what I'm talking about, right? And the boy came to me, was like, man, I'm actually in Walmart buying my stuff to go and work in my job. I said, where you working at? He said, I'm working at Ford. I said, where? He was like, up in Michigan. I said, like, what happened, man? Because he went to Mitchville. So he said that I came and spoke to their class about engineering. He felt like he could do it because he could relate to me. So he ended up going to Virginia Tech and did electrical engineering, graduated. And when I saw, I, 
I didn't know who it was, right? But uh, he said that because of something I had said to him, motivated him to be an engineer and he was doing it. So that was pretty impactful. You don't know how God's using you out here. So if you get a, your spirit's telling you to do something, do it and try to help others, right? I think a lot of this, a lot of wealthy millionaires, we're talking about financial uh, wealth and generational wealth. I think Oprah says she became a billionaire because she helped people. She took time to help people. So I think more of us need to do that. Excellent question though, Mr. Rubs. Uh, thank you, sir. Corey, you did mention, you know, you said doctor. I'm not doctor yet. <laughs> You're on your way, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm on my way, you know, I'm on my way. And uh, Corey, he was the one who was inspirational in uh, me going back to get my doctor degree. So I thank you for that, Corey. I appreciate it. Thank you for that answer. I got one more question. One more question. Sure. Now, um, how do you break down the stereotypes of who who can be an engineer? Because okay. in our community, right, you know, there there's not a lot of engineers that look like me and you, right? Right. So what do you do in order to, I guess, encourage or support people in going into the field of engineering? Well, you know, I hate to bring Aiden Diggs up, but you got to believe in yourself. No matter how you look, what your sexuality is, your color, your gender, any of that, social economic status, none of that matters, right? I believe that we have a specific purpose for being brought to earth. And no matter what happens, we're going to do it, right? Uh, some of us have to have we got to climb bigger ladders and longer ladders. I think about where I came from, from the bottom. And, you know, it's a cliche, but, you know, rising to the top slowly and steadily, right? But if you want to do something, you can do it, right? Let's look at uh, our technology age right now. Now, Terrell, I'm not going to date us, but back when we went high school, man, Corey, you too, you know, we could, I'll say middle school, we couldn't just jump on the internet and go and do research. We had encyclopedias. Anyone remember what a cyclopedia is, right? And the information flow just wasn't there, right? We didn't have cell phones, none of that, right? Well, cell phones were out, but only, only the rich people had them. So we didn't have those. So, you know, now you can pick up a cell phone and uh, let me research what nuclear biokinetics is and you can figure out what that is, right? We didn't have that back in the day, right? So the kids of the day, y'all living in the information age. If you want to learn how to do something, do it. Go and do some research, research it, put it in Google, see what comes up, go to YouTube, see what comes up. A lot of people making money off YouTube by posting their knowledge, right? In a video format, but it's, it's helpful stuff. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I was working on a car about two weeks ago that we got donated to the National Engineering League Foundation. Uh, it was a 2006 Acro TL, the CEO of Champions Cans. She donated it, appreciate that. And you know, I couldn't figure out which way the tensioner was supposed to be, uh, was it clockwise or counterclockwise on the car? I put a belt tensioner on it, new belt, alternator. We did something with the power steering pump because even though I'm an engineer, I get my hands dirty, right? So that's what's gonna make a good engineer, having the theory, but you also know how to make things work also, right? Which is something that one of our Nissan uh, colleagues told us and told a student during his session with him, right? But the bottom line is the information was there on the video in YouTube. So I figured out which, which way I should go, counterclockwise or clockwise, and also some wiring was kind of messed up on the car a little bit, fixed that. Information is there. If you want to do something, go and do the research, right? That's why, Mr. Robinson, the first thing that I have the students do when they come to the National Engineering League is do a research project on your particular career field that you're interested in going to, right? Let's make sure that's something you really want to do and you understand what a problem is inside of that particular field. You know, in their research paper, they have to find a problem, like say if you, your son wanted to be an electrical engineering student, right? 
he will have to figure out the top companies that uh, you know electrical engineers work at, whether it's uh, you know Microsoft or GM, and figure out a co-existing problem within that field and do some research on it. Right? You can find information online. You can call people and ask them, "Hey, man, uh, I'm a student. Uh, I'm in the twelfth grade. I'm thinking about being an electrical engineer." You know, I let the students use the National Engineering League platform to go and do that, right? Even if I'm on the line on a Zoom call with them, like we had a couple of weeks ago with Nissan, that's what that's what we're doing over here, right? It's practical, it's hands-on, taking the mystery out of this stuff, so, out of these careers. So kids that kind of really see, okay, I think I might want to do this, or I might not, right? But it's good to understand that early and to make sure that you're not in the dark. Uh, Commissioner Scott, this is Joseph Morgan. Uh, I want to say thank you for sharing your story and sharing your trials and tribulations of where you come from and all the accomplishments and where you're going in life. So I appreciate that. And I think we need more people like you to, you know, get involved with STEM and show the minorities that, you know, there are people of color who can, you know, uh, absorb the knowledge and and um, use it, you know, to be successful and better their lives along with their families as well. So I want to say right. thank you for that. And I have a couple questions for you. No problem. Let so, me comment on that right quick before you get okay, to the question, ahead. though. Because um, certain parts of the country, you know, they're not a lot of minorities in engineering. I'm going to just be honest with you, right? Because we're figuring out what that issue is, right? I think it's lack of preparation from an early uh, stage. But I'm going to tell you all this quick story right quick. Like, when I graduated high school, I had a full academic scholarship through the Department of Energy, paid for everything. Right, I had to go to Fort Valley State and uh, UNLV for two and a half years, get a dual degree in mathematics and environmental engineering. They pay for the master's, they pay for the doctorate, right? Um, you know, my family didn't really understand how, what an opportunity that was. And, you know, this, someone had to sign a form because I was underage, right? They didn't do it, right? They didn't want me leaving the state. They wanted me to kind of stay around and just work. And I'm, I'm telling parents, don't do that, right? So I brought that up because... I had to work hard to get that, right? To get to where I wanted to get to, right? So when I come into these professional environments and there's people that may not really understand how to communicate with me or they don't think I belong there. I'm also from downtown Newport News. I fought to get here, I'm gonna be there and you have to deal with me, right? And just because you may be a minority in the environment, whether you're black, you're white, or you're a gay person in a minority, you're a minority in that environment, it doesn't matter, right? If you're qualified to be there, make it happen, right? So sometimes uh, minorities, they do deal with certain, I would say exclusion situations, but if you're in the room, you're in there for a reason. So make your voice heard. Don't ever be the one in the room scared to raise your hand and give your answer or any of that, man. Because it's gonna be that small answer or that unheard answer that people don't vocalize that can solve the, provide the solution to the problem, right? Uh, but I just wanna let you know, I work hard to get here. There's other people that work hard to get to where they're at, no matter how they look, black, white, whatever. And we got to respect that. At the end of the day, in the work environment, it's about who's come to do the job with the highest level of quality, who come to do it the right way, and then making good products and good services for everyone in the world to enjoy. Back to your question, though. Yeah, I agree. totally uh, agree with you. Thank you for that. So just a couple questions, uh, you know, for the youth that are pondering the possibility of pursuing engineer, like a couple of things, like number one, what are some courses that you had to take, you know, in college or in high school to uh, prepare to be an engineer? Like me, I was in public administration, but undergrad, I was economics. So I took like statistics, business cal. So that's one question for you. Another one is like, what are some notable, um, what are some notable minority engineers and are like some 
inventions or accomplishments in regards to from minority engineers. So, because I think that, you know, we assimilate uh, as a culture, right? So we, we turn the TV on BET, we see, like you said earlier, Jay-Z, all those successful entertainers. However, we don't see that for engineers on TV quite frequently right. for minorities. So that's one thing that if, if are some books or something. Lastly, what are some risks or dangers, you know, that are associated with being an engineer that you work around toxic liquids, high, high voltage, electricity, things of that, you know, so just okay. a general background of becoming an engineer. Well, those are excellent questions, right? So let's work backwards. As far as the safety, any work environment that you're working in can be dangerous, right? I mean, it's dangerous in general in the world, right? But my first day on the job after I graduated, uh, I went to work for a company called Warehouser, and it seemed like there were more of a safety uh, company, like they were selling safety products, but they actually weren't, right? They sold uh, oriented strand board, which is the flooring board for your house, uh, the floor system, some of the structural beams in your roof system, right? And it was just safety this and safety that. You got to be safe, safe all the time. We got safety anthems, uh, the safety um, song, right? They're always celebrating safety uh, accomplishments and records. So that first day, all the lights went out in the building, right? So I'm like, what is going on? It's pitch dark in here, right? I was only, two, you know, two, one of two of the minorities in the whole building, right? So I'm like, I don't know what's going on, right? Well, someone used the incorrect multimeter to measure the voltage of one of the circuits or circuit boxes or something to that effect. And all the electricity went through this guy at one time, right? So to answer your question, there, there are dangers when you're dealing with machinery, electricity, forces of nature and science used to power things, any type of energy um, sources. Uh, so you got to be careful, right? You got to use common sense when you're out here in, this, in these industries working on stuff, right? Uh, quote, unquote. Because if you don't follow directions, bad things happen. Following directions is one of the first things that we were taught in school. And I often wonder, you know, why is the teacher, you know, giving these lessons on following directions, right? I'm looking at the instruction sheet like, okay, this is easy stuff. Everyone doesn't follow directions. That's one of the things my mom told me. You're going to follow directions or it's going to be consequences, right? So, you know, after dealing with a couple of those consequences with her, I decided I better follow directions, right? So to answer your question, though, uh, people could die if directions and processes aren't followed, especially engineering, right? There's been similar uh, situations in the last couple of years. We're not going to mention any company names, but bad things have been happening. Airplanes have crashed, et cetera, et cetera. Somewhere along the way, the process didn't get followed. So engineers, future engineers, if you're writing processes, uh, you got to be able to communicate well. That's going to bring me to the one of the first questions you asked about some of the courses that I had to take, right? Uh, I'm going to tell you courses as a mechanical engineer, like I took heat and mass transfer, thermodynamics, chemistry one, chemistry two, physics one, physics two, uh, calculus one, calculus two, calculus three, differential equations, which I still don't understand the reason behind that, but it was part of what we had to take. What I'm going to tell you is that the most crucial course that I took in high school, K through 12, and in, in, uh, in college was English literature and English communication, right? Some of the stuff we were reading, it was kind of boring, Shakespeare, all that stuff. But in Newport News Public School Systems, I learned how to write effectively, right? Sometimes we speak how we write. I always wrote with confidence. Uh, we had the power system. Corey, I don't know if you remember that, man. You probably was up in Brooklyn there. 
It was POWR, pre-write, organize, write, edit, and revise, right? I learned that in like third, second or third grade. And I still do that every day. What was amazing was at the end of the engineering curriculum, after people had passed all these hard, quote unquote, hard scientific courses, right? They had to take a writing exit exam to graduate. They couldn't pass it. They didn't know how to write. They couldn't communicate. I'm going to tell you, I've been in the engineering environment for about, you know, 20 something years now. And 99.9% of the engineering issues, the root cause of them is poor communication. People didn't tell their teammates something. No one did the maintenance check when they should have and didn't let the, the second shift supervisor know that, right? Bad things happening all over the place. It could have been prevented with effective communication, period. So any potential engineers or anyone in any profession, make sure you're communicating as effectively as you can out here in the workforce so you can save people's lives, right? And for airplane crashes, where could the first point of prevention taking place? Um, when the design was being designed or when the maintenance manual was being created or the training of the employees and then employees have to have due diligence to do what they need to be doing. You know, if you got a job, whether you like your job or not, you're getting paid to do that job, right? That's some due diligence. Do the job to the best of your ability and with excellence. You have one more question about a minority engineer. Uh, it's one actually we're trying to connect with right now. We got a young lady named Jade uh, Harwick. She's actually just joined the National Engineering League. She got a full academic scholarship to Brown University, Ivy League school up in Rhode, uh, Rhode Island, right? She just left last week. She wants to be an astrophysicist and we're linking her up with some, uh, some notable astrophysics. One is Dr. Teets at the University of Vanderbilt. He's an astrophysicist. And uh, Mr. Harvey Leake is a advisor in the National Engineering League. He reached out to his college roommate, not roommate, but his college buddy, Mr. Douglas, right? And his son is Andre Douglas. He's going to be on the moon landing launch that NASA's putting on, or I think in two years. They're doing a couple of test launches. One is actually this Monday, and there'll be another next year and one after that. But that's a notable um, minority engineer. He's had several engineering degrees. He had a mechanical uh, for bachelor's. Then he had an electrical engineering degree. Aero, no, computer and electrical engineer. He had two master's degrees. And he's getting his doctorate, or he got his doctorate in systems engineering, right? So to be in that uh, that astronaut program is pretty competitive, right? Like these are top notch academians or people that have uh, that field experience. We've got a guy on my team at work. He he was in the astronaut program. He was telling me how rigorous it was. So there are minorities in there, right? Whether you're a minority or not, you got to make sure you know what you're doing, right? Because the the room for error when you're like you know, 300,000 miles away in space, there's no going back, right? So, gotta know what you're doing. This is Joseph uh, from Kampala, Uganda. Hey, Mr. I Joseph, how to, you doing? I'm good. I have to thank you so much, uh, Mrs. Commissioner Scott, and I thank everyone uh, there. I just have just a simple question. Um, is it possible for a student to be a successful engineer without the help of the parents? Well, there is, right? We've all heard the old adage that it takes a village to raise a child sometimes, right? I personally don't have any biological kids, right? But I got a lot of sons and daughters out there, right? Um, you know, some kids, they don't have parents. You know, something happened. Uh, there are a lot of kids in the adoption uh, world and adoption agencies that need parents. I think we all got to do our part, though, whether we have kids or not, to raise 
these kids. Now, I got a great relationship with uh, Ronnie, who is your your nephew. Uh, he considers you his father, and I consider him my my son as well, right? So I think the village has to pull together to make sure these kids are successful, no matter where you're at. Ronnie and you, you also, we've never met personally, but we got a great relationship because of Mr. Harvey. And I think we're all compassionate enough to, to see the potential that Ronnie has, pull together, put the resources together to make sure he's gonna be that leader that God made him be. So I encourage everyone and challenge everyone. If you have the resources, the time and the compassion, to help a young person be great, go ahead and do it, man. That's what we need. That's what will make the, the world a better place, no matter how you look or where you're from, you know? And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing Ronnie develop into that awesome leader that he is. He's, he just got promoted to be the um, international operations manager at the National Engineering League. And Corey, I don't know if I told you, he's the president of the Kampala Kinetics over in Kampala. So we international with it. This will continue to grow. We're developing the leaders and then we're gonna utilize their leadership to make this thing a little bit better and bigger. How do you respond to people that may say, oh, the profession of being an engineer is not sexy, right? Yeah. Like, um, do, I know we're not supposed to believe in stereotypes, but if, if there was a stereotype, how would you say people stereotype engineers as like introverts, right? Because you, you watch the movies, right? And I'm an engineer has the white coat on or the glasses and the pocket protect there working at NASA. Right. But it seems like they don't make it seem appealing, uh, fun, sexy, you know? So I yeah. think that's one thing that needs to be transformed in, in, in order in order to garner better attention and, uh, and um, how do you say, advertise that profession yeah. to the So this is my FYI. Okay, well, one thing we gotta think about, that scientist, mad scientist, has got the lab coat on and pocket protectors, you know, he's gotta get off work. And where's he going, right? So living in a nice environment. And when he changes clothes, as Jay-Z say, what is he changing to, right? You know what I'm saying? Hey man, he might be the sexy person. You know, a lot of women, they like intelligence, right? They like to know that a person is going to yep. you know, solve the problem, be, be proactive and making things happen. That's what I found, you know, that's why, um, you know, I was out there dating and then, you know, settled down. That was a quality that I think I had that the women like, right? So you got to think about the bigger picture. You can't worry about the stereotypes. Now, if you're a billionaire, someone's going to have something positive or negative to say, right? If you're poor in the streets and you don't have anything, someone's going to come by and say something positive and try to pick you up. And someone's going to say something negative. Like, why are you there? You shouldn't be there. You did it to yourself, right? So I challenge all the kids not to really, don't try to fit that crowd, fit into the crowd. Don't worry about the stereotypes, right? Worry about you and what you need to be doing to be successful, to satisfy your purpose. Because people gonna always have something to say. Oh, well, if they wanna say something, let's give them something cool to be, uh, you know, if they wanna be envious, let's make them envious. Yeah, I'm a smart person. I like to solve problems, but I'm doing my thing and I'm helping people. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's really all about. Who have you helped lately? That's the question, Corey. Who are we helping lately, man? Mm. Great, great response. I, yeah, I love it. Great response. Yeah, I feel like I'm helping 36 to 45 year old women though. But anyway, next question. <laughs> I have one last question, Commissioner Scott. Sure. Um, you're doing such a great job with the National Engineer League, National Engineer League, sir. And uh, can you explain or can you tell people who want to get involved in what you're doing, whether it be companies, individuals, um, other nonprofit partnerships? 
on right. like how they can get involved in doing what you're doing? Okay, yeah. Uh, awesome question, uh, Mr. Robinson. So, hey, if you go to the webpage, I think they posted it in the chat session, but you know, we'll we'll spit it out again. It's www.natenatengleague.net. Also, the NEL Foundation, which is a 5013 C that we have, uh, that webpage is www.nel-foundationfoundation.org, right? What we're doing with the NEL Foundation is, you know, hey, we're taking donations. If you want to help uh, get a kid out of college through scholarship money, if you want to help get a kid a, a car so he, he or she can get around the classes and work their jobs while they're in school trying to be somebody, if you want to help raise some funds so a kid can get a computer or if you're a company to want to donate any of these products, just hit us up, man. You know, go to the webpage. There's contact information up there for you to get in contact with us, submit your information. I mean, you can email me directly, commissioner at nateng.net. Like, hit me up. I'm a people person, right? I only care about making sure that we take the resources and give them to the students and the people that's willing to work hard to get them, right? No one's giving out handouts, but if you're willing to work hard, and trust me, the National Engineering League, you know, we're going to work you a little hard to make sure that when you get into the real world and that professional environment, you're ready to go. They're going to be like, hey, man, where did this kid come from? Um, he's leading, he or she is leading efforts early, right? Oh, uh, but there's lots of type of um, involvement available, Jarrell. Uh, even if you're not a person that's an engineer, right? To run a business, you have you need all types of professions. You need accounting. You need people to know how to manage money. You need planners. You know, we need secretaries. I met a young lady. Um, what? Yeah, a young lady about two weeks ago at DMV, and her customer service was excellent. Right. So uh, let her know if you ever need an opportunity. Come see us. Right. It's all about putting the winning team together so we can make uh, lasting impacts because at the, but at the end of the day, none of us are going to be on earth forever. We're all coming through here and leaving, all right? The question I want everyone to think about is what are you leaving behind, right? When it's time for your, when your time is up here and you're going to another galactic universe that we don't know about right now, what have you done to make Earth better while you was here, right? So the NEL has several programs, like we already talked about, K through 12 career exploration program. Uh, we help students get certificates. We've had several students get Six Sigma certificates while they were in college, uh, in high school also, right? And we help build their resume. We do resume development and, you know, show them how to build their resumes up and how to speak. We got mock interviews. We got professional workshops. Uh, Corey and Jarrell, I think both have been on those. And it's about preparing them for the future. That's what we're all about. If anyone wants to uh, donate their time, resources, you know, feel free to uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Also, I'm, I'm up there. Now, that's a good question, Jarrell, because we got a lot of uh, well-to-do people that got a lot of resources, but I don't know what they're doing with some of those resources, you know? <laughs> you know, we got big-time athletes. You've got in entertainers, Steve Harvey, the likes. And I, I see a lot of good stuff he does in the community. I think he's building, the, um, it's a ranch he's building down in a certain part of Georgia. I forgot the name of it. Uh, in southern Georgia, but hey, if y'all got excessive resources that y'all want to give and put them in the right hands so I can distribute them and the NEL can distribute them to those who need them, 
Hey, get it, Corey Murray. Y'all know how to get in contact with him on blackmansundays.com. Subscribe so he can send you the, the latest and greatest of what's going on, right? But either one of us, you can't forget our names. His name's Corey. My name's Corey. We both went to Heinz, both went to ODU, and we're both making moves out here, right? So please get at us. And if you got some resources you want to get to us, hey, I'm going to put them where they need to be at. I'm going to distribute them like a point guard. So, But great questions, Mr. Robinson. Thanks. Thanks for pulling up on the show. I hope you had a good time on Black Miss Sundays. And uh, let's do a couple drops on the back end, bro. Yes, sir. Check it.